0: Good morning. Good morning. It's so good to see you. Thank you for being here. That was a fun ride in, huh? We live in Michigan. I keep telling the Lord, if you could send snow during the work week, that would be a lot better than sending it on the weekend. But thank you so much for being here. And for those of you at Gross Eel, thanks for being a part of this. If you're a guest, welcome to Northridge. This is going to be a phenomenal year at Northridge Church. We have a, a mission That's based upon 16 words, 16 words. And this year, as you know, is 2016. So we are going to spend all of this year redefining ourselves, highlighting these 16 words. And it's exciting. I get to begin with a brand new series, 2016 Words, next weekend on January 16th and then January 17th. And I I just, I'm so excited about this because we're going to do crazy stuff around here. To keep us focused on those 16 words, and it's starting next week on January 16 of 2016 that we're going to start meeting on the 16s in all of our service. So for those of you at it to be 9:16 and 11:16 Sunday morning. For those of us here at Plymouth, it's going to be 5:16 Saturday night, 9:16, 11:16 16, 16 Sunday morning, and whenever your service is at our regional campuses, it'll be on the 16s. And that's just the beginning. We think we're going to start. Passing a 16 mile an hour speed limit here on the campus. And we're going, 16s are going to be everywhere because the 16 words will change the world if we focus on them. Because you know what the 16 words focus on? Jesus. That's what they focus on. And we can't wait. Next week, please be here. Please be inviting people. And I'm excited this weekend because we have the senior vice president of Liberty University, a friend of Northridge, because he was here this summer and made a huge, huge impact. And he said yes to coming back. Now, so that he can impact all of us, he speaks to more Christian young people about Jesus on a weekly basis than anyone in the world. That I means a huge convocation of spiritual young people. And now he's going to speak to us. Would you give a Northridge welcome to David Nasser?
1: It's such an honor to be back. So good to be back. I wanted to personally, right off the bat, just say uh, thank you to all the Michigan State fans. Just want to go ahead and go public on that. Congratulations on a great season to Michigan State fans. By the way, Michigan football is back. Michigan State football is at its height. But uh, I'm an Alabama fan, and I I want to say to you as an Alabama fan, That um, I am so grateful for Michigan State. I knew, um, first, would you, can I just say this? Would you just put Alabama fans on your prayer list? Um, you guys as Michigan fans and as Michigan State fans don't ever really have to struggle with this, but as an Alabama fan, uh, obviously we struggle with humility because when you're always winning, you guys don't know this, but when you're always winning, especially as a, as a, as a Detroit you know, Lions fan, you don't know this, but uh, when you're an Alabama fan, when you're always winning, it's hard to not get a big head. And then also, also, we have to budget. When you're an Alabama fan, Every year, just about, you have to budget as a family to go to the national championship game. And, um, and now they've got this whole, like, playoff thing happening. And with the playoff thing, then you've got to go to the playoff game. Then you've got to go, you know, to the national championship. I was really concerned about the whole playoff thing. And then this is why I want to say thank you to the Michigan State fans. When I found out that we're playing Michigan State... I was so rested in my spirit knowing that we wouldn't be challenged, that none of our people would be hurt, that it would be like a, it'd be like, you know, like almost like upward soccer. It'd be like fun and nobody's keeping score. I I, I did not keep score. I do not know that we beat you 38 to zero, Michigan State fans. Um, I am so heavenly minded. I'm no earthly good. Was that the score? I, I don't know. Anyway, so, everybody okay? I'm just trying to melt some of the snow. Is that, is that okay? I feel like there's more snow. I feel it's colder now. You guys are like, can we send this Iranian back? You can't. I am here legally. All right, I really am. I'm a guy with a green card. All right, and uh, <laughs> how is everybody? Everybody good? Honor to be back. Glad to be back. The last time I was here in the summer, uh, you guys marked me. I'm telling you, with the greatest ever set for a sermon series. I don't know if you remember the the summer series set. And and so many times I will see. Uh, you know, people from the four different campuses of this church at an airport or somewhere, and I'll run into when you're when you're monster church like you guys are. You run into you know Northridge people everywhere, all over the country, and I'll I have a pleasure to meeting some of you. And um, and and almost every time we'll talk about. Pastor Brad's sermons and how real he is. I always talk about the staff and the graciousness. Uh, I like to tell stories to Northridge people that I left the airport and I was going four miles over the speeding limit and I got a ticket. You know, I always like to tell that. And then we, we always get back around to talking about the set. And and honestly, I know it's more than just a set. It is this church's desire to be excellent in everything that they do and that they really do see this as an environment worth spending the time, investing the time to create for you so that you can come and and have everything visually, right? You know, vocally, have everything set up so that ultimately then… Like Pastor Brad said, "Jesus can be front and center, and, and so uh, really honored again, just just to get to come back. I know it's the beginning of the year and in the beginning of the year. We always want to hear a beginning of the year type message, and I think that's an appropriate thing. And so I wanted to bring that to you if I could today, and I wanted to get really, really practical with you, not just celebrate an idea, but then talk about the handles on how to uh, flesh out, how to live out that idea if we could. And, and so I'd like to start my time with you by just... Um, asking you if you really want to have this year like we're in the beginning of it we're looking ahead we're projecting what it could be there's some expectation for us on what it can be and so let me just ask all of us in all of our different campuses a simple question how many of you are here and as you're here in this particular moment right in the beginning of january looking ahead you want to have the best year ever you're asking god for a great year anybody want that if you're tentative and you're like, nah, I mean, there's something wrong if, you, if you're going, no, I'd like a hard year. You know, I want a horrible year. Uh, remember, I'm not saying the funnest year ever. I'm not saying the richest year ever. I'm not saying the healthiest year ever. I'm saying how many of you want to have the greatest year of your life? You should want that. Something in you should want that. You should say, I want this to be the best year, right, uh, ever when it comes to parenting. I want this year to be the best year of my marriage. I want this year to be the greatest year of my walk with the Lord. I want this year, no matter what it holds, right, no matter what things come that I don't know about, to be the greatest single year of my life. Now, if you want that, And you're going, well, David, how do you guarantee that to somebody? How do you sell that to somebody? Uh, The the, the short of it is that I don't know if the lump's going to come back and it's cancer. I don't know if the car accident's going to happen and a loved one won't pass away. I don't know if your boss doesn't come in and give you a pink slip and say, man, I'm sorry, but we're really not immune to what's happening in the economy. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but like the old saying says, I do know who holds tomorrow. And I can tell you this, that if you this year decide that this will be the greatest Kung Fu grip, this will be the greatest, right, attachment of my life in the history of my life so far to God, that this will be the greatest year of your life. So I want to really be in the very beginning, all right, of this year, start the beginning of this sermon by saying to you that, that I, I believe that you can have the greatest year of your life if you'll have the most biblically rooted year of your life, if you'll have the most spirit-filled year of your life, if you'll have the most prayer-drenched, you know, prayer-saturated just year of your life, if you'll have a year where you'll carve out the time to to be in solitude with God, that if this becomes the most spiritual year of your life, then whatever you go through, it is nothing but an obstacle course where instead of you getting bitter if something doesn't go fun... You get better because you realize God has ordained all things for the good of his purpose. And he's using that to refine me. He's using that to make me weak. He's using that to break my heart. I was turning on the TV this morning, and I, um, I was kind of flipping channels, and a buddy of mine was on TV this morning. He was on Fox uh, uh, and Friends, you know, the, the, Saturday morning, I mean the Sunday morning show, and, and he, was, he was on there. I didn't even know he was on there. His name is Rick Burgess. He and his wife were on there because they just released a book, and uh, their book is about the death of their son. Their son, a a a two-and-a-half-year-old little boy, while mama was taking a shower during Martin Luther King weekend, all right, while the dad was with me at an event in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, we were both at the event. I remember when his phone was blowing up, and he looked at his phone and said, something's wrong. I remember that day. But while mama was in the shower, their son opened the pool door, the backyard door, walked out, and there was... All the snow had melted everywhere, but they had a pool cover in their backyard. And the the, the pool cover kept the snow from melting. And he walked over to the snow as a little boy, and then the pool cover didn't hold him. And by the time they found him, he was in, in the pool already frozen, passed away. And they were talking about that. And, and it was interesting, as, as, as Rick Burgess, this morning on TV, was talking about that, what he said. He said, he's, they, they asked him, they said he's on a, a nationally syndicated radio show called Rick and Bubba. He's the Rick of Rick and Bubba. And they, they asked him, they said, I said, how did you go back to work? That's a, basically a four-hour comedy show on 180 networks across the country. He said, I was sitting there. I couldn't even tie my shoes the first day I decided to go back to work. He said, and I'd never felt weaker and he said, and I looked up at God and said, how do I get out of here, God? How do I, how do I walk out of here and begin? This is January 15th when that had happened. By January the 20th, 21st, he's, he's sitting there ready to go. And he said, and I looked ahead of my year. I looked ahead of the reality that I was about to go on the radio that morning. And he said, early in the morning, I said to God, I'm, I'm so weak. And God said to him, you've never been more ready. Because when you felt like you were strong at that moment of your life, when you felt like you were strong, It was so much about you and me. Right now, you're so weak that it has to be all me. You've never been more ready to be on the radio than you are right now. So what does that look like? What does it look like for you to see whatever you face tomorrow? I'm not saying that we pretend like it's good news. I'm not telling you that we pretend like it's what we want to hear. But whatever we face tomorrow, to be nothing more than one more ramp that allows us to have the greatest year ever. Anybody want to say, I want that in my life? Well, I want to get really practical with you and say, one way, one way, and we'll focus in on one, one way to do that is to live the most biblically rooted year of your life. Can I ask you this about the Bible? I say biblically rooted. Anybody believe this with me? Uh, and I know, because you hear this all the time from Pastor Brad, I know that this is a Bible-believing church. And I know this is a scripturally-drenched church. So I'm kind of preaching to the choir here for all of our different campuses. But anybody here just say, I believe that the Word of God, the Bible, the Bible is a gift that God has given me. I believe that the Word of God is a lamp unto my feet in a a very dark place. I believe that the Word of God is always true in a a place filled with lies. I believe that the Word of God is inerrant. I believe that people go out to try to disprove the Word of God, but then they always end up, if they really wholeheartedly are, are seeking truth, realizing that it always ends up dismantling their arguments. I believe that the latest medical book can be outdated when they come up with new ways to do medicine. I believe that the latest law book can be outdated when they change the law but I believe that the Word of God will never be outdated. I believe that the Word of God is living and it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, cuts through bone and marrow, and judges the attitudes of life like it says about itself in Hebrews. How many of you believe that about the Word of God? How many of you believe this? How many believe that 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 there's no accident here, and there's no language loss here, at least for us in this particular moment, that 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 there's two ideas, right, of, of this thing called word in the Bible. There's word made flesh. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, Jesus, right? And then yet there's the word of God. How many believe that those are actually connected in the sense that you cannot ultimately grow in your love affair? love affair with Jesus the Word while completely ignoring the written Word. That the written Word is a, is, an, is a way for you to get to know, right, the Word made flesh. How many of you believe that the Word of God is, a, is, a, is an honest mirror? You put it in front of you, and it just tells you what you need to hear. It might not be what you want to hear, but it's honest enough to tell you what you need to hear, filled with grace and truth. How many of you believe that the Word of God the Word of God that is not given, by the way, to every language group in the world. Because it's not been translated for everybody yet. Wycliffe's getting there. They believe that in our lifetime it'll get there. But how many of you believe that, that at this moment, at least we have it? We have it in the United States of America. We have it, yes, for, for English and Hispanic, the United States of America. How many of you believe that, that, that we have an exception, a gift? We've been given a Bible app so many of us have that. We have, many of us have many Bibles. You can go to the lost and found section of this church and probably find dozens and dozens and dozens of people who got graduation gifts, $80 Bibles, you know, with leather bound and nice silk ribbons and, and they've forgotten where. How many believe, though, that, that everywhere you look, you, you have the privilege to take it out? You have the privilege to share it. And that's a gift. Anybody with me on that one about the word of God? I, I, think, I think I'm kind of trying to lather up a little bit of an argument here, right? That, that, that we are widely in agreement in this room that we have been given the word of God and that that is not a curse, but it's a blessing for us. That God just doesn't tell us to go out and live the victorious life, but then he gives us the, the very playbook on how to do that. That God actually gives us the, 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 the instruction manual, if you want to call it that, right? So much more th- than anything else to the Christian life in the word of God of God. How many believe that about the word? Can I just ask you one last question? How many you would say that if they ever made it illegal in this country to have the Bible, if they ever said in this country, you can't write a Bible verse on a birthday card, you can't encourage somebody and send them a, a tweet or a text or, an, you know, you, can, you, can't, you can't ever like talk to somebody about the Bible at work. You can't take your Bible to school and open it and read it in public. If you, if you ever get caught like having, an, you know, your, the you version open in your, in your phone and people see that you have that, it, it's, it'd be just as like scandalous as if somebody walked by you and saw that you had porn open, you know, and they are like, what are you doing? how many people say if they ever made it illegal if they ever made it where if I had a Bible if I shared my Bible if I took my Bible out if I if I if I you know wrote it down as a bible verse of encouragement to somebody that it would cause me maybe my life maybe cause me my if they ever made it illegal in america that you'd go over my dead body i would stand up i would go to to washington and fight for the right to have my bible to read my bible to share my bible to to spread my bible to to memorize my bible to shout out my bible verses anybody say i would do that i would not sit silently and go so what i would say like come at me but i'm swinging for this one anybody with me on that I actually think most of you would. I actually think most of you would just so, just so as Americans, when we win the fight for the right, we can then not get out our Bibles, not share our Bibles, not take our Bibles and and, then drench, right, biblical truth into the conversations that we lead everywhere. I think most of us today in the church celebrate this idea of bible study but most of us don't ever have our bible to study i think most people in the church today i'm not even talking about lost people like lost people don't write the the book because they don't love the author of the book i think lost people don't memorize the bible because they're lost people like that's what you should expect of lost people but but at the same time god's people god's people should be different right God's people should be the people who, who say, man, when you, when you squeeze me in life, when the, when the sponge that I am gets squeezed, what comes out isn't emotional living. What comes out isn't so much musical living. You know what I mean by that? Like a lot of us have a musical faith more than we have a, a biblical faith. All of our theology comes from, like last year it was oceans, and right now it's no longer slaves, and, and we'll move on. We're waiting, for, we're waiting for Chris Tomlin or Hillsong to ration down the next bit of theology I'm supposed to lean in on. Nothing against Christian songs, I love those, but a lot of us have more musicality. We have more emotional, you know, faith than we have devotional faith. And and, and the reality of that is that if we were to be really honest, many of us look ahead of this year. As we look ahead of this year, we'd have to first at least look back, right, and go, well, last year, last year maybe, there was not a very inconsistent diet of the time that I spent in God's Word, memorizing God's Word, hiding it in my heart, having it, right, as fighter verses for, for whatever today would come, having it as, as, as prescriptions, right? scriptions that I could hand out to people and what they're doing so that I give biblical advice instead of just emotional advice. And, and, and most of us just, we love that idea, but we don't really submit to it in everyday life. Well, it, what does it look like for us to walk out of here today and say, man, I've got, I've got to ask the Lord. And there's no syringe full of, I want to read my Bible serum that's going to make that work. You know that, right? But I've got to walk to the Lord and say, if I keep doing what I'm doing, I'm going to keep having what I'm having. This year, however, I want to have the deepest... Biblically rooted year of my life. And so now whatever happens, I will see it from a biblical perspective. Whatever happens, right? Even if it's outside people watching me navigate through some very painful days, that what will come out of my mouth, what will, what will be heard by those who are watching me navigate through it, is biblical truth and not emotional truth. Does that make sense? Now let's see what the psalmist has to say about it. It's pretty simple. The psalmist kind of uh, in the Word of God, in the longest place in Scripture that's out of Scripture, about Scripture, gives us a manual on how that can happen and, and, and what it's really about. How Bible study, Scripture memory, the idea of being, being someone who says, I'm going to make a commitment every day to let my quiet time be the loudest time of my day, how that really isn't so much about the mind as much as it is about the heart. How it's not so much about, you know, Information, as much as it is about transformation, that comes from honestly motivation. Motivation more than anything else. Let's look at it together. All right, Psalm one nineteen nine. If, if you don't have your Bible here with you physically today, or if you don't have a Bible app, our team always puts it up on uh, passage. I mean, on the score. I mean, the, the screens for you. Let's, let's read it together. Psalm one nineteen nine. You ready? How can a young man? How can we as individuals, right? How can a young man keep his ways? pure. You ready? How can we keep our ways pure? By tithing like never before. Is that what it says? No. I do I would do want to tell you, back when I was a pastor of a local church, before I went on staff at Liberty University, uh, I, I, w- I wish that's what he would have said, all right? But that's not what it says. How can a young man keep his ways pure? This is actually what it says. How can a young man keep his ways pure? You ready for this? By going to davidnasser.com and buying one of David's four books. I wish that's what it said, but that's not what it says. By the way, nothing wrong with Buying a book, nothing wrong with, you know, being consistent and, and, and giving back to God financially. How can a young man keep his ways pure by memorizing everything Beth Moore ever said? Joining one more Bethmore Bible study. I got nothing against, I love being some Bethmore. I love her hair. She's got like Levitical hair, you know. I, uh, she's brilliant. You've had her at, at Convo last year at, at, at Liberty. Can't wait to have her back. Big Bethmore fan. I'm just saying, like, that's not, and I'm not saying that that's not actually a Bible study, but I'm just saying that's secondhand. You're getting someone else's theology rationed down instead of you and God. A lot of us, the only time the Bible's ever open is when someone else is giving us their opinion or their exposition of it. What does it look like for us not to, have somebody else have to chew it up for us and spit it into our mouth what does it look like for us to be the kind of people who go that's good but that's a supplement not the not the primary way right that we grow in biblical growth what does that look like for you and I to say we want to say what pastor Brad says to us and teaches us by opening God's word right is the air war because the ground war is then during the week During the week, I'm actually investigating deeper, more of what he said in a 35-minute message. And that only primes the pump. That only is kindling for the greater fire of my own time with God, saying, word of God, speak. So how can a young man keep his own spirit? Listen to what he says. He says, by living according to your word. Next verse, he says, verse 10. He says, God, I seek you. I seek you with all of my heart. See, the heart is the doorway. The heart is where the, when the heart starts beating for something or for someone, it's the motivation that gets into the mind. Think about it. Like I know every girlfriend's phone number that I ever had in high school. Every single one of them. Like, I, I am now in my 40s, but I can tell you, when I was 16 and I went out with my first girlfriend, Vicki Welch, you know, I know her phone number right now. Like, from when she was I know the place that she, she lived. We, 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 I wasn't even old enough to drive. So my mom picked us up. You know, she went to the, her house, 104 Ladd Street, all right, and, and picked her up. We went to the skating rink. She had her own skates. I had to do the rental skate. It was not good. At the end of the night, we're standing there. I thought we were going to get married. I, I really did. Like, this cute little southern white girl. I was like, jungle fever. It's going to be awesome. But then she looked at me right before we got in the car. She said, I just want to be friends. She dumped me right there. Then we got in the car, it was an awkward ride home. And when we got home, we dropped her off at 104 Lat Street. Can I tell you, over 20 years later, 20-something years later, I still remember 104 Lat Street. The police call it harassment, but I call it love. Alright, I'm just telling you. I know that's not where she lives anymore. You know what? Since she dumped me, I hope she is in her 40s living at home. That's beside the point. But you know what I'm saying, right? Like when the, when the heart is in, the mind, right, buys in too. Think about it. I know every girlfriend's phone number I had in high school. Both of them. I know both of them. <laughs> Think about it. The things you're passionate about, right? You know a lot about, right? I can tell you that we beat Michigan State 38 to nothing. I know the score. You know why? Because I'm passionate about Alabama football. I really am. I really, really am. And so because I am, I know the score. I know who's going to do what. And I know what we're thinking about as we play Clemson here, you know, tomorrow night. I I can tell you things. Why? Because my mind is attached to my heart. I I bleed crimson when you, which is, by the way, what what our Lord bled upon the cross. Just want to say that out there for for non-Alabama fans. I, I, I bleed crimson. And then because my heart belongs to the University of Alabama, I can give you a lot of knowledge about the University of Alabama. Does that make sense? Some of you are that way about a particular TV show. Some of you are that way about a particular, you know, software. Some of you are very passionate about something, and because you're very passionate about something, like, you just bleed that. It just comes out of your pores. You, you don't even have to. You, people are scared to make eye contact with you about something because they know immediately you're going to start talking about it. And the psalmist says, because my heart belongs to the Lord, because, because I have a, a heart, because I have a, 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 a desire, because I, I, I seek him. I'm going to, listen to this, not stray from his commands. It's actually not the very language he uses. I'm being very politically correct and and gearing it down that way. The psalmist literally says, do not let me stray from your commands. Charles Spurgeon says that this particular passage in its original language is actually irreverent reverence. It's an interesting way to put it. He says, if you really look at it in its original language that the psalmist breaks rank. He actually tells God, orders God, tells God what to do. He says, God, do not let me stray from your commands. Think about that. That's crazy. I know that as a dad, you know, I've seen it as a father. One time I I went to the breakfast table My little girl, Grace, at that time was about four, and uh, I had my roller bag. I had just gone home just for, like, less than 24 hours, just enough to, like, do laundry and get ready to go back out to preach, and uh, uh, my roller bag was at the breakfast table. I was sitting there. Me and my daughter were having breakfast, and then she asked me. She said, Daddy, she was just this little girl at this time. She goes, Daddy, can we watch, uh, I can't remember the TV show, today, later, when you get home? She goes, can we watch this show? We would always watch this show together, this Disney show, and I said, Honey, I I can't watch that with you today. Uh, Daddy's going to go out of town again, and she goes but you just got home. And I said, I'm sorry, honey. I know I just got home, but I'm gonna go for like two more nights and then I'll come back. And, and she wasn't happy. I could tell she was just uh, like really like disturbed that like I was gonna be, she was counting on me to be home. She missed me. So then my wife comes, she brings coffee, like we're just getting ready for the morning. I get up to go. Like I, I, I realized I gotta get to the airport because Iranians, we gotta go earlier than most of y'all. All right, so you know, so. <laughs> it's true, all right, you know. By the way, It's okay, I I would want you to profile, I really would. All right, so like, don't search that grandma who's 90, you know? Look at me, I'm fair with that. By the way, like the whole world does it. When you go to Israel and in the back of your American passport says place of birth Iran, you're gonna wait a while, just wanna tell you that. All right, anyway, so so I'm getting to the airport and as I'm getting to the airport, I mean, I go to get my bag, as soon as I go to get my bag, I look and something has physically stopped me. My little girl had gotten out of her chair and she had grabbed on, physically, got on the ground, she had grabbed onto my leg and she goes, you're not going. She's telling me what to do. So you know what I did? I hit her really hard in the head. (laughs) Why are you laughing? Of course I didn't do that. It didn't make me upset that she was breaking rank. Like, I didn't go, hey, you don't tell me what to do. You're not the boss of me, you know. I'm the father and you're the daughter. You know, I didn't do that. She broke rank, but I didn't mind her breaking. You know what it did to me when she broke rank and said, you're not going? It endeared my heart to her. I see people every day break rank with God. But they're like, you know what, God? I'll tell you what to do on this. You know what, God? I'm going to ignore your statues and your laws on this. God, I know you know best, but who cares, Maybe you're outdated. Maybe you're not politically correct anymore. How would it look like this year if you looked ahead and you said, if there is a break rank, may I just be inappropriate to God? <laughs> it's not right, but if it's going to be one that where I'm like inappropriate in that I'm like, God, I do not want to lose this intimacy with you. Do not stray away from me. Word of God, speak. Speak. The psalmist is saying, God, I'm going to seek you with all of my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. And then he says this, verse 11, he says, God, I have hidden your word. I've hidden your word. What? In my heart. There's no way around saying what this really is, is God, I, I'm going to memorize, I'm going to meditate on your word. Meditation, if you're taking notes, is another way of saying marination. Right? God, I'm not just going to let it accent my life, spice up my life, your word. I'm going to let it marinate me in who I am. God, I've hidden your word in my heart. Why? So that I may not sin against you. See, for the psalmist, it's not a chore. It's a joy. And because it's a joy and because he's motivated, right? Because he's motivated, the motivation drives him to Scripture memory. But the goal isn't Scripture memory. The goal isn't information. The goal is what? Transformation, but transformation is always locked and loaded with motivation. Think about it. When I was a senior in high school, um, we did uh, the Jeffrey Chaucer's Canterbury Tales. Anybody remember that? Anybody maybe a senior here in one of our you know congregations that, that campuses that can tell you like I remember I remember the I can tell you Jeffrey Chaucer's like that was a long time ago. I, I graduated in 1988. All right, but I can tell you right now from memory. The canterbury tales if you ask me um anybody here an english teacher anybody here jeffrey Chaucer by chance anybody in any of the you can wave even if I, can't, if I can't see you in the video that's fine all right so so here you go you ready um here beginneth the book of the Talos. it's an old english right jeffrey Chaucer. here beginneth the book of the talas of canterbury wand an opera with a suda suta. the draught of march has pierced to the ruta. if you're if you're charismatic don't get up and translate i'm not speaking in tongues this is the canterbury tales And you know why I can tell you the Canterbury Tales? You know why it's still in me from all these different years? Because when I I didn't, it it wasn't because I thought, oh, that's a great way to pick up girls at spring break. Hey, baby. Here, begin at the, no. Let me me tell you why I memorized the Canterbury Tales. And it is, let me tell you what the motivation was. When I was a senior in high school, my father walked into my bedroom one afternoon and said, your English teacher called me today. And I was like, and i And my dad said, she said that you might not pass English. And if you do not pass it, you will fail high school. You will be the first Iranian in my family who has ever, ever failed high school. And he said, she said something about you can maybe get extra credit by drinking cranberry juice or memorizing something like this. (laughs) Drinking cranberry juice. That's what he heard when she said he can memorize... (laughs) Canterbury Tales. He goes, and you will drink cranberry juice. Or I will kill you. Y'all know my people don't mess around with that, right? Y'all know that, right? I was highly motivated to memorize, to drink cranberry juice. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I got up there, man. I was like, here, beginning the book of the Tals I mean, I'm telling you right now, man, I made an A. I was hot. Why? Not because I love the Canterbury Tales, but because I like to live. Motivation locks and loads, right? Memorization, which locks and loads. Transformation. What does it look like for you and I to be motivated? You're going, well, David, I just can't do it because the Bible's boring to me. Some of you are going, I just can't. I've tried to memorize scripture. I just can't. What if I said this to you? What if I said, what if I said right now? Right now, I will pay you a $1,000, dollars—a $1,000 for you to memorize one Bible verse. And then I'll pay you another $1,000 for another Bible verse. And I'll pay you another $1,000 for another Bible verse. For every Bible verse out of the book of Romans that you memorize, starting now till next week, I will give you a $1,000. You can literally get into hundreds of thousands of dollars by memorizing Romans this week. How many of you would say, oh, I'm going to get rich off an... Iranian. I mean, I don't know where he's getting that money, but come on, bring it. How many would say uh, motivation? If I said to you for hundred thousand dollars a verse, what would be your motivation? It wouldn't be like I love Romans. It'd be like, man, I, I have a motivation to, to make that a priority. I'm going to pickle myself, right? And whatever I got to, like, like I, I, at the very least, at the very least, I'm motivated to say, I'll, I'll at least I'll take on ten because I can sure use ten grand. Think about it. And so everybody in this room has to really connect with this idea that, that when we become seekers, when our heart's involved, when we, when we are people who say, God, it's, I don't want to sin against you, that, that God is very practically saying to you and I that how that ends up playing out in our lives is that we say, God, I'm going to beat a path, beat a path, God, to your word. And I'm going to live more biblically than emotionally so that I can have The greatest year ever because I I know, I know that no matter what tomorrow holds, the one thing that God wants for me is to grow in tomorrow, deeper. God's not looking for louder Christians this year nearly as much as he is looking for deeper Christians. Think about it. Looking for deeper believers. That's what the psalmist says when he says, deep calls to deep. When, when, When we, as Oswald Chambers says, right? get out of the shallow shore, no longer content. with just watching the ocean of God and dipping our toes in the waves coming in. But we put on the diving gear and we go, the good stuff's in there. What does that look like? What does that look like for you and me? What does it look like for you and me to, to, to come to a place in our life where we say, God, this year, because I want to grow in you, I'm going to make your word, hiding your word, memorizing your word, I'm going to make that a priority in my life. And I believe that none of it, none of it will be a waste. I was in Dothan, Alabama when I was single a long time ago. Just celebrated my 20th anniversary. But I was in Dothan, Alabama when I was single one time. Dothan, Alabama is this tiny little town. And uh, every night I was speaking at a four-night conference. Every night I would get done too late to go eat. In this little town, everything shut down at 9.00. So every night I'd go and I'd be like, man, I got, I'm, so the last night of the event on like a Wednesday night, I, I was like, I've got to find something to eat. So, um, I, 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 was driving around and I, the only thing I found that was open was this like kind of weird little bar slash restaurant, you know? And um, so I, I go into it, and um, it's really late at night. It's kind of a smoky little weird area, and, 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 and this girl was working in the front, and she was kind of walking around, and I could tell she was a, like a bar waitress, but she, like a, but she was also like, um, like the maitre d', because it was like a restaurant slash, you know. And I said, hey, do you guys have any food? She goes, well, all oh, we have is like a bar menu. And I said, great. Uh, and, I, and so I said, can I order? And she goes, well, I go, can I see a menu? She's like, you don't need a menu. We have wings. We have hot wings, you know, we have mild wings. And she, I was like, yeah, I'll take, I'll take wings, you know. And, and she's like, we also have loaded potato and this and I said, order some food and we're talking for a few minutes. And, and, um, and then the, 10 minutes later, she goes and works. 10 minutes later, she comes back with the, 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 the to-go thing and she's got real silverware because like, it was attached to a hotel. So she's got real silverware like wrapped in like, you know, the real linen on top of the thing. And I thought, oh, as soon as I saw it, I thought, oh, she thinks I'm staying at this hotel that's attached to this bar but I'm actually staying like two three miles down the road so she brings it up and I go no 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 I need plastic wear uh, I don't need real silverware because I'm not staying at this hotel and she looked over at me and she goes well um I get off work in about three or four hours that would make it like one two in the morning because I get off work about three or four in an hour in about three or four hours she goes and I felt like there was maybe a connection or something she goes if, if you tell me wh- what hotel you're staying at on what room I'll come and pick up the silverware and I thought, man, she is, going, she is really wanting that like employee of the month parking space. She's so committed to this job. And of course not, I thought, oh, she wants me. <laughs> Apparently, she's attractive to walking Chia Pets, wow. And I would love to tell you that my heart broke and I thought that's someone else's daughter, but I'm just telling you in the flesh, I was like. <laughs> And I, in the back of my mind, I even for a second like thought, well, that's, that may be an opportunity for me to lead her to the Lord. And the, You know what I'm saying? You know how you start like trying to bend your theology into a pretzel, but at that same time, it wasn't coincidence that earlier that day, earlier that day, I'd spent time in God's Word, and earlier that day, I had read literally a verse and started to memorize it that literally said, without holiness, no man shall see Christ. And I know it means more than that, but I'm telling you, at that moment, God said, do you want to see her naked in about three hours? And it was... Yes, Lord. Maybe you don't struggle with that. But he are like, do you want to see her naked? Yes, Lord. But then God was like, do you want to see me? So it's about motivation. Which one's greater? So I said, ma'am, I'm so sorry. I, 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 it's wings. I don't even need silverware. <laughs> Now, what am I saying to you? I'm just getting very honest and transparent with you to say every single day you don't know what tomorrow holds. But you know what? You can go and at the end of the night you can put your head on the pillow and say, I wasn't perfect, God. But I I sure had struggles today, but it was a great day. You know why it was a great day? Because what I couldn't do on my own, God, you empowered me to do by your spirit and you gave me your word to navigate through whatever it is. Can we pray together just where we are? and just all of our different campuses, can I just ask you a really simple question? Could it be that you look at your life, and as you look at your life, you say, Pastor David, I gotta be honest. I love this idea. I, I, I agree with this idea of, of, of being more biblically rooted than ever before, but, uh, but it's not guilt, it's conviction. Guilt's just more chains, but conviction is the beginning of freedom. I, I, I really do live more emotionally than I do live devotionally. I want my emotions to be attached to, 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 the, to the Word of God. I, I really look at my life, and, and if I was to be honest about last year, last year was a year where I really didn't have a steady diet of studying the Word, marinating in the Word, memorizing the Word. And this year, I know it takes many different disciplines, but this year, as far as this particular thing we're focused in on, I, I wanna confess before God. I wanna get a spiritual MRI in front of me and just say, um, it's time for the little boy to sit down and the man of God to stand up. It's time for the little girl to sit down and the woman of God to stand up. It's time for, for spiritual growth. And it's not built out of guilt. Again, God loves you just the way that you are. Your righteousness, your salvation is not based on what you've done. Nobody gets to go to heaven because they memorize a bunch of Bible verses. But, but in, in, in where you are, you say, but there's something wrong if there's nothing wrong with, as a believer maybe, me not really wanting the word of God in my daily diet. And I... I Today, I today want to say, Lord, this year, I want to make that a necessity in my life. If that's you, will you just wave at me just wherever you are? David, that's where I'm at, all of our different campuses. Just wave if you would. Can I tell you, if you lifted your hand and you wave, so many in this room, so many in our different congregations and our different campuses, that God's not upset with you. He's not saying you've you've ignored the Bible, and because of that, your car is going to break down. That, That doesn't make God God. God loves you just the way that you are. He just loves you too much to leave you there. He's saying it's time. It's time to take that next spiritual step of maturity, to, to, to leave behind the elementary teachings as nothing more than a foundation and then to grow into out of milk and into solid food. Maybe you don't love the word because for you it actually is. You don't love Jesus the word. You've never given your life over and, and because you don't love the author of the book, you don't love the book. There are plenty of Christians who ignore the word, but maybe today for you, the root of it is that's just a symptom of a greater thing. If that's you, I want you to know that that's where you taste and see that the Lord is good. But if that's you, whether you lifted your hand for a next step of, I I wanna be more accountable to scripture memory, or whether it's, "I I wanna walk into a community that can hold me accountable in this, or whether it's even, I wanna know more about this Jesus, David, that you keep talking about and calling the word, I want somebody to show it to me, uh, information about him, uh, reality about him, truth about him out of God's word. If that's you, uh, you were given on your way in this little pamphlet, this little brochure, this little, you know, hey, welcome to church, little bulletin. And inside every one of those, there's this little perforated area called a connect card. And if you'll just fill out some information and be vulnerable enough to give a little bit of information, and, and then just... Whatever note you put, you use your language. We don't want to give you words. And just kind of tear that out and on your way out, drop it into one of those boxes or give it to the information booth. We'll take it from there. Our our team would love to connect with you and, and begin the process. Even last week, our pastor that was here said, can you just commit to memorize one verse? And so the idea is, what's the next step that will help you in spiritual growth? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you how, God, uh, you don't just tell us to live out the life, the victorious life without giving us manual on how to. Thank you, Lord, There's so much more than that. Thank you that it also brings us all to a common place. Now, as we, as we walk into this song, we pray that we celebrate how, even when we have left you in, in discipline, that you've never left us. Thank you for how, even when we're inconsistent, you're consistent. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let's stand together now. Let's, uh, let's sing and worship and celebrate God together.
2: worshiping with us. For those of you who feel like you want to connect with someone, our prayer group will be down here and they'll love to pray with you. Don't miss the new series starting next week. Have a great week. Be safe, everybody.